Last Sunday, I said uh, my goodbyes for the summer to a number of our college students. There were uh, a fairly a good number of them in the early service. Um, as they came through the door, and these young ladies, they just have such tremendous smiles. Uh, such a delight to greet them. Two of them are new believers who just recently uh, made professions of faith, and then two others graduated from our everyday evangelism ministry this past Wednesday evening, uh, passing both their oral and their written exam. It was wonderful to hear uh, what God has been doing in their lives. Uh, one of them said, you know, when I, when I came to Northern uh, from Lower Michigan, I had no idea uh, what the Lord was going to do spiritually in my life. And uh, such a delight to hear that. Some of them are going to be involved in ministry this year. Others will be going back home and working. Some will be taking summer classes. Let me just take a moment and pray for these young men and women. Father, uh, thank you so much for the college students that you have sent to us in this past year. Lord, uh, they are just so dear. Uh, their commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ is so refreshing to be around. And while they express gratitude for what we as a church and what the ministry of crew does in their lives, uh, what a joy for us to say to them, we're so grateful for what you uh, do in our lives. We pray, Father, for those who have become new believers uh, this very semester. Help them to grow. Uh, we pray that as they return home, they might find uh, avenues where their spiritual life can be nurtured. And we look forward uh, to ministering to them as they return. We thank you, Father, for others who have taken up the challenge of learning how to share their faith and have been so consistent in spite of the fact that they're busy with studies and other things and yet lord it's clear that you are first in their lives uh, bless them as they are involved in summer ministry bless them father as they are working taking summer classes and uh, we just ask lord that um, you will continue to help us as a church to be um, just a support um, lord to uh, help them grow in their walk with you that we might, Lord, hear more from, as we've heard from this one, that they never expected all that God was going to do spiritually in their lives when they came to Marquette. What a, what a privilege to be a part of that. And so we commend them to you, Father, for your safekeeping, for your work in their lives over this summer. Uh, thank you for the privilege of uh, being your servants to uh, all that you send to us. And we'll thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name. The French master, Jean Millet, entitled one of his most famous paintings, The Sower. And before the advent of modern farm machinery, this scene that you see on the screen was very common in agrarian cultures. In the spring of the year, farmers would go out and they would sow their fields by hand all across Europe and all across the Middle East. Now the average person looking upon this scene would see only a natural, physical phenomenon. Would you take your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 8? 
And let's notice this natural, physical phenomenon in verses 5 through 8. Listen to how the Word of God describes this. Luke chapter 8, starting at verse 8. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. Now the average viewer, this is all that they would see. But of course, Jesus was not the average person, was he? And Jesus saw in this common scene uh, a parable. If you look back at verse 4, notice what it says. And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said, in a parable. Uh, the Greek word here for parable is the word uh, parabole. It literally means a casting or a placing alongside. A parable takes what is common and it casts it or it places alongside what is spiritual to illustrate spiritual truth. This is one of the few parables that Jesus ever explained. And as he explains it, what he teaches us is that all of us are in this parable. In fact, every one of us gathered here today, this parable shows us our destiny. I want you to keep reading with me in verse 8. And as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verse 12, Jesus uh, concludes uh, verse 9 by saying, Lest they should turn, and they should be forgiven. So what Jesus means is, our very destiny is in this parable. Our very forgiveness is determined by what Jesus teaches here. Whether or not we belong to the family of God is determined by the kind of soil that we are. Now this morning I want to begin a brief series of messages on the parables of the Lord Jesus. We're going to look at six of them over the next several weeks. And this morning I want to start with the parable of the sower. And just as in farming there are three ingredients, there's the sower, there is the seed, and there is the soil, so we have the same thing in this parable. Now, all three synoptic gospels give us this parable. This morning we want to look at Luke 8. And let's begin to understand what it is that Jesus is saying 
about every one of us this morning. First of all, it is very clear from the parable that the sower is God. A drop down to verse 11, and Jesus says, Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. It's not stated specifically or implicitly that uh, the sower is God, but very clearly it is implied. All throughout the Bible, God is seen as a gardener. Remember, he created Adam and Eve, and he placed them where? He put them in a garden. And then God chose the nation Israel, and he called Israel his vine, Isaiah chapter 5, but Israel only produced weeds. So along came Jesus to sinful, rotting Israel, and Jesus said in John 15, I am the true vine. Now think about what God is saying to us. God wants to take our lives and he wants to attach them to the Lord Jesus Christ so that we can be fruitful and be what he intended us to be. God wants to water us. He wants to cultivate us. He wants to fertilize us to make us into somebody very, very special. He wants us to be healthy. His desire is that we would be productive and then reflective of Him, the great overseeing gardener. Think about what God is saying. He loves us so much, He wants to be our personal gardener. What an amazing truth this is. Now secondly, as we look at this parable, we discover that very clearly the seed is God's Word. Luke very clearly tells us that the seed that the farmer sows is an illustration. The seed is the Word of God. Now all of us understand from our own uh, work in horticulture that a seed has the germ of life in it. When it is placed in the soil, when there is water and sunshine, it sprouts and it produces a new plant. Uh, this spring, all around us, we are watching as plants germinate, as they sprout, and as they grow. We have a number of them in our living room. I can't wait till they're planted outside. Now the Bible says that the Word of God has the capacity to produce life. Keep your finger here in Luke 8 and turn back with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. And I want you to notice how the Bible makes this comparison explicit. Luke chapter 1, or 1 Peter chapter 2, and I want you to notice verse 23. 1 Peter 1 and verse 23. And notice what he says. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding Word of God. Now, over and over again in the Bible, uh, the Bible says the Word of God is alive. It is like living seed. And the reason for that is the author of the Bible is the Holy Spirit. 
And so what happens is when we respond to the message of Scripture, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives. And by His creative power, He imparts spiritual life to us which had been lost because of sin. The Bible, as we see here in 1 Peter 1.23, calls this being born again. We are given a new life in Christ. And here's what happens. As we continue to be fertilized by this Word, and by the way, the Word of God that gave the new life is the key instrument for developing the new life. As we are fertilized by this Word, the Holy Spirit develops that new life and He causes our life to develop, to mature, and to grow. By the way, this is a mystery, isn't it? The opening song that we sang, I know not how this happens. I can't fully explain it. It is a spiritual mystery. And yet every person who has been born again knows this change, this change my heart that we were singing about. So, the sower is God. The seed is the Word of God. And now, notice that Jesus says, the soil is the human heart. This soil is your heart. It is my heart. Uh, drop down to verse 12, and Luke is the most abbreviated form of the three expressions of this parable in the Synoptic Gospels. Look what he says. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, they receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while. And in time of testing, they fall away. And as for that, what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, you notice that? They go on their way. They are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, do three things. They hold it fast in an honest and good heart, they bear fruit, and they bear that fruit with patience. Now, seed obviously needs soil to grow in. And how well seed grows is determined by the soil. In our front yard, there is a section of the yard where the grass never grows very well. In fact, year after year after year, it grows green. And because they're, it grows weeds, excuse me, and because they're green weeds, I figure, well, that's good enough for me, so uh, I don't do a whole lot. I understand that former owners of the home even dug up that soil and tried to replace it, and yet somehow the soil remains sour soil. I think it's because 
It's next to the bushes and the trees that are there. And so somehow the soil is adversely affected so that it never really grows grass. You see, the kind of soil that seed is in determines the kind of growth. Now here's what the Lord is saying. The reception that you and I give to the seed of God's Word will determine what happens in our life. Jesus says there are only four kinds of soil, so there are only four kinds of hearts. Do you know today, every one of us is one of these four kinds of hearts. Every one. You and I are in this parable. Your heart, my heart, is revealed right here. We are looking into a mirror. The Bible says... The Word of God is like a mirror. Somebody said, I read other books, the Bible reads me. Isn't that true? And every one of us today is one of these four kinds of soil, and our eternal destiny depends on which we are. So, let's look, shall we, at these four soils. There is the path. There is the rocky soil, there is the weedy soil, and there is the good soil. First of all, the path. Notice in verse 12, Jesus says, this is the hard heart, and these are people who never believe. He says, the ones who have are along the path are those who have heard. But the devil comes and he takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Now in Palestine, the fields are long, narrow strips of land. And in between the paths are fields that are used to walk on. So they become hard, they become packed with earth, and essentially they are just this hardened dirt. When I was a boy, I would ride my bike on paths like this. Uh, there were paths in these fields that we would ride our bikes on. There might be grass going all over the place, but the path was completely free of any grass, and any seed that would fall on that path was easy pickings for the birds because it could not penetrate the hardened ground. Now Jesus says some people react to God's word like this. It bounces off their heart and it never sprouts. These are people who may come and hear the word, but they are not interested in the word. They are turned off by the Word of God. And, and Jesus says about them, they never come to the place where they believe. Did you notice that Satan is involved here? He takes away the Word. God calls them, but instead they listen to Satan. And they may have one of several different reactions. Uh, They might say, you know, I I really don't need that. 
I can live a pretty good life without actually being religious in any way. And so it may be fine for others, it's not necessary for me. Or they might say, as they hear it, it isn't true. I uh, used to work as a chauffeur at an all-girls private high school in Texas. Sometimes I would have the opportunity to witness to some of these rich girls from very secular backgrounds. One day a girl said to me, everybody knows that the Bible is just a book written by a bunch of men. Period. Case closed. Or, these folks might respond and say, it's too costly. If I accept Christ and uh, what He is doing, what He's saying, there's just too much that I'll have to give up. I remember witnessing to a young lady who, who said to me, if I make this decision, will I have to go to church? And I said, well, let me be very clear. You don't become a Christian by going to church any more than you become a car by going into a garage. But I said, once you become a Christian, yes, Jesus will want you to start going to church. She said, well, I don't want to do that. And so it was too costly for her. So there are all kinds of reasons. But these folks come to the place where they never believe. Second soil is the rocky soil. And Jesus describes this as the shallow heart. These people believe for a while. Notice verse 13. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, they receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, they fall away. Now in Palestine, some soil covers a bedrock of limestone. The soil is about two-thirds of an inch deep, and then below it, it is solid rock. So you know what happens. The seed springs up very, very fast, very, very quickly, because there's a lot of surface moisture in that kind of ground. But when the hot sun rises, the plant that grew up very quickly wilts, because the roots can't get past the bedrock down to the water table. Jesus is saying to us, some people react to the word this way. They are very, very excited, but they're shallow. They're shallow. Some of the most excited people I've ever witnessed to ended up being this way. They hear the good news, and they want what Christ offers. Maybe they hear a a sermon that stirs their emotions. Maybe they have problems and difficulties in their life, and they think, if I come to Jesus, things will be so much better. And so they respond with great enthusiasm. I remember a fellow who said to me, I'm now going to follow Jesus 100%. He was so excited. 
They may pray the sinner's prayer or in churches that give a public invitation, walk an aisle, nothing wrong with those things. But here's the problem. A true response to the Word of God involves the mind and the will as well as the emotions. We must understand that Jesus is offering to us salvation. But that salvation is going to lead to a surrender of our wills to Him as well. Salvation is always more than emotions. It is more than saying, my, I'm going to follow Jesus 100%. This is so exciting. But salvation always leads to discipleship. It leads to a life that includes self-denial. Putting the Lord Jesus Christ first and being willing to endure hardship. And here's what happens. The shallow heart makes a superficial commitment and then when things get tough, falls away. In fact, you'll notice in verse uh, 13, Jesus says, the time of testing comes. A very critical word here. Testing means trouble, adversity, or affliction for being a Christian. Say, can you tell me why it is that we sometimes tend to downplay this with people? We often do not tell them about the trouble, the adversity, or the affliction that may come as a result of being a Christian. And Jesus says, because that trouble and adversity comes, these folks end up falling away. That word is a very interesting word. It means to withdraw or to absent oneself. It is literally the word that means to apostatize. It is the very word that Paul uses in in 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1 in which he says, In latter times some will depart from the faith, they will fall away, they will apostatize. And all of us know people that have done this. He started out great. But then trying times came. Because those trying times came, they were disillusioned and they gave up. This kind of soil gets upset over the hard times that God allows and they quit following Christ. And I say to you, in 32 years of ministry, I have seen many, many people who were this kind of sort. I know a a man who had a crisis in his career. Stopped following Christ because of that crisis. I know people who have had struggles in their marriage. Turned away from the Lord as a result of those struggles. I know one gal who said to me she was mad at God because of illness that had come into the family. She was not following Christ either. You know what the Bible teaches? It's not those who begin well, who finish the race. It is those who keep running, right? 
It's not those who start well, get out of the blocks well, who end up finishing the race. It is those who keep running. And the rocky soil is the person who does not keep running. Jesus says, they believe for a while. Notice the third soil. The third soil is the thorny heart. And this is the person who has the crowded heart. What is true about them is there is no growth. Look at verse 14. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. And their fruit does not mature. Now in Palestine, farmers were tempted to be lazy. And they tried to clear their land by burning it off. So they would set these fires and they would burn off unwanted growth. And the field would end up looking nice and clean. But you have watched enough Roundup commercials, haven't you? The weeds remained underneath. And what do the Roundup commercials say? You don't get the root? The weed will come back up. And some people receive the Word of God into hearts like this. It comes into a crowded heart. Notice this heart is crowded with the cares of the world. That's a very interesting world. The word cares means the distractions of this present age. And Jesus defines those cares as being riches and the pleasures of life. What we could say is this. The crowded heart is the materialistic heart. It is the person who lives for the world. And did you notice, they go on their way. Not God's way. This person, their life never becomes about God, but it always remains about them. They go on their way. This is what we could say. Their life is dedicated to houses, cars, careers, money, Pleasure, perhaps family, friends, education. All of those things have their place, but their lives are dedicated to them so that that's the priority in their life. God is not important. Let me ask you, what would you say about soil that never produces fruit? Wouldn't you say it's worthless? Look with me, if you would, at Hebrews chapter 6 and notice verses 7 and 8. Hebrews chapter 6 and verses 7 and 8. And notice how the apostle to the Hebrews picks up on this thorny ground. And notice what he says. 
Hebrews 6, 7, and 8. For land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But, but, if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. Jesus says in the parable, this person's fruit does not mature. It's a very interesting word. The word mature there means to carry something to its end or to carry it to its goal. So what Jesus is saying about this person is they do not reach the goal for which they were saved. Uh, the Amplified Bible reads verse uh, 14 in Luke 8 this way, their fruit does not ripen, come to maturity and perfection. It never reaches the goal for which the seed was planted, that is to grow ripe, usable fruit. This person never produces the ripe spiritual fruit that salvation was intended to bring. And thus, they really are very much like what James said in James 2.17, where he said, Faith, if it is without works, is useless, being dead. And so there is no growth in this soil. Now fortunately, Jesus says there's one more type of soil. It is the good soil. And this soil is the good heart. Now in Palestine, as you know, there is uh, some soil that is clean, it is deep, and it is fertile. Uh, the word good here, when he says uh, the good heart, are those who hear the word, and they have it in an honest and a good heart. The word good here is a very interesting word. It means uh, a heart of quality. So what it means is a heart that is free from defects. It is not hard, it is not shallow, it is not weed infested. All of the other soils, all of the other three, represent defective responses to the Word. Just review them quickly with me. The hard heart never believes. The shallow heart believes only for a while. Crowded heart never grows. These are defective, non-saving responses to the Word of God. But I want you to notice the good soil has a balanced response to the Word of God. Would you notice what Jesus says about this person's response? Let me ask you this morning. Is this you? Is this me? You were to say to me, Pastor, tell me this morning, what is the good soil so I can be sure that's me? 
Jesus leaves us with no doubt. Notice. The good heart retains the word. Jesus says, this person holds it fast. The idea is that they receive it with interest and concern. And they keep coming back to it because it is the word of life. Remember what Jesus said to the disciples, are you going to leave me too? And Peter said, Lord, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. And the good soil retains the word by coming to it with interest and concern. And they keep coming back because here they find the word of life. Secondly, Jesus says they persevere in trials. Did you notice the last word of verse 15 is the word patience? Patience. It means patient continuance even in the greatest trials and sufferings. Now, remember, the rocky soil couldn't do that. When the time of testing came, they were disillusioned or offended, and they could not continue on. But here, Jesus says about the good soil, that when the struggles and the hardships and the trials come, they persevere, following Jesus, even through those trials. And finally, Jesus says about this soil, they produce fruit. They bear fruit, he says. There's a change. There's growth. There is ongoing development of character and, and greater commitment. And as we sang earlier, change my heart, O God. This person sees that change developing as they follow in the way of Christ. Let me ask you this morning, does this describe the change that God has wrought in your heart? I believe that salvation, assurance of salvation, involves two things. One, it involves taking the Word of God by faith and believing what it says. But then two, assurance of salvation comes as we see the transformation that God brings. And I can know that I'm a child of God because I have believed His Word, and then I can know that I'm a child of God because I see the transformation that He is bringing about within me. That I want to retain the Word. That instead of trials pushing me further away from God, they cause me to want to get closer to Him. Then I see that there is a growth in character and commitment. It may be slow. There might be times in my life when it is more rapid than others, but it is there. And I can see that I'm new. This is a picture of all of us. You've seen your heart today. 
I've seen my heart today. This is why Jesus explained this parable. It's one of the only few that he explained because it's so critical for everyone to come to the Word of God in the right way. This week, as I was preparing for this message, I came across this question. It's a great question. What happens to them? Isn't that a great question? What happens to all four of these soils and these hearts? And here are the four answers that I came across this week, adapted just a little bit by me. Here they are. The path. They reject Christ because they reject the Bible. The rocky soil. They reject Christ due to adversity, trouble, and persecution. The weedy heart. They reject Christ due to pleasures, money, and worldly distractions. The good soil. They follow Jesus Christ as his disciples. They don't go on their way. They continue on. However imperfectly, in the way of Jesus. This morning, you have to know who you are. You have to know who you are. Because your eternal destiny is determined by the kind of heart you have. And this morning, God has given us this parable that we might be good souls. you have any doubt where you're at this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to say, Lord, you know my heart. You know who I am and what I need. I want to be good soil. Would you enable me to respond to the Word of God in the right way? Let's just take a moment, shall we, before we gather around the table and let's ask the Lord to make us into the right soil. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I wonder this morning, do you have assurance of salvation? Do you know that you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and your heart has been transformed? And it is not because of some self-improvement. It is not because you decided at some point to get a little religious. But it's because you recognized your spiritual bankruptcy, you recognized your lost condition. You threw yourself on the mercy of Jesus Christ as your only hope. 
And He saved you. He sent His Spirit within you. He changed your outlook, your desires, your wants. You are now a new creature in Christ Jesus, following in the way of the Word of God. Listen, if you're not certain of that today, please don't leave this place being the hard soil, the rocky soil, or the weedy soil. Do business with God. Come to the Lord Jesus right now as you are in your own heart and say, Lord, I know that I'm lost. I know that my my heart is shallow. My heart is weedy. I I know that I'm, I'm a sinner. I'm undone. But I believe that Jesus went to the cross for me and He died for me and He rose again. And the message that He proclaims is the message whereby I can be saved. And I come to Him without any reservations. I repent. I I turn away from my own way. I cast myself upon His mercy. Lord Jesus, come into my heart, you can say, and be my Savior. Come into my life, and I want you to be my Lord as well. Forgive me of my sins, which I know are many. Give me new life. Make me a child of God. And now, Lord, today, because of what you've done, I'm going to retain the Word of God. I'm going to persevere in trial. I'm going to bear fruit to the glory of God. I'm not going to continue on my own way. But, oh, Lord, I'm going to go your way. Father, today, I know that what I have just called upon people to do, they cannot do unaided by the Holy Spirit. I know unless the Spirit of God takes these words on a page and penetrates a heart and opens eyes and causes hard hearts to become hearts of flesh, I know there can be no saving response to the Gospel. Lord, I cannot bring that about. I can do my very best to be faithful in proclaiming the truth, but you alone can change human hearts. I pray, O precious Savior, do that today. Father, I I pray for people that, that all of us know, people who started out seemingly enthused, but but were shallow. Uh, Others, Lord, who have become distracted. Perhaps thinking that all is well when all is not well. Lord, some of these are, are friends of ours. Others are family members of ours. We love them. We long to reach them. But we know only you can. So, Lord, today, we do what we can. But we ask you now to do only what you can. 
thank you and praise you. For Jesus' sake.